Welcome to The Disruptors, the podcast about the future of all of us, where we look at the technologies, trends, and societal norms shaping our collective future. Here, the world's top minds share their insights and predictions on the convergence, direction, and ethics of exponential technologies transforming life as we know it. You can learn more and stay up to date at disruptors.fm. Mermani Press presents Neanderthal King by Matt Ward. More information on the author at mattwardwrites.com. You can purchase Neanderthal King in its entirety or download the entire audio masterpiece free with a free trial of Audible at neanderthalking.com. Want to follow along with Merrillick's adventure? For a limited time, Grab your free illustrated map of Tarkal and the Six Kingdoms of Septum by visiting mattwardwrites.com slash map. Again, that's M-A-T-T-W-A-R-D-W-R-I-T-E-S dot com slash M-A-P. But now, let's get on with the adventure. I asked William about it and he smiled. It's cheap. And the newsy happenings be better too. Good for business. Knowing who's trading and romping with whom. Latest court proceedings and such, you know. Not really. But I said nothing. Dinner was a first or nothing affair. And we were early. Mutton stew. Glorious smells, but a bit heavy on the turnips. Such was life. We managed to stomach a bowl each. Once we'd finished, I decided to try my dice with William. How'd you get into this? Now that's a long story, he said, after a gassy salute to the cook none of us could match. And it was. Born poor and beadless in Hohage, his father hadn't been able to feed all six from his shop, even after their youngest fell to pox. Pa wasn't the brightest bead, Never did value his craft. After a terrible winter, William and Boren had stepped in to handle negotiation. One thing led to another, he shrugged. We were ten, he added, as if that explained everything. Few details and not a word more. He'd make a great swindler. Talk turned to Odanic and William scrutinized his slave. What about you? What's your tale? Odanic relayed her gruesome telling, and William flinched. Couldn't believe it. He had feelings after all. Conversation collapsed until a gaudy trio of cloaked scholars entered, discussing islander, astrolabes, and ship times. They plumped their hefty bums next to us. They say the islanders be allied with Alguros that they've spread as far west as Africa. William's ears perked, and he leaned in as the fop-headed minstrel in green, with matching stockings, approached the roaring fire. A flick of his finger before strumming the crooked instrument. A melody erupted that touched my insides, made them dance, fought the itching urge. Couldn't help it. Even my bloody foot tapped. If I was a lesser tall, wet would have touched my eyes. It didn't. 
the flimsy man's soft lips opened, and an echoing voice rang out. Hath any but I, O oh, loved you so, my dear you'll see, t'was burning fire in the fields, my love is free. You may be sap, and I at all, but this cannot forget them all. Kings and aurors would die for us, to be you'll see. Hath any but I, O oh, loved you so. And so it went on and on, the timeless tale of love, of tall and sap, of friend and foe. Many jeered, others cheered, but all listened with bated breath until the skirt of a man belted the final verse. Hath any but you, O oh, scorned me so? My dear, you'll see. T'was seething pain your father forged in infamy. The blade was turned, our world is lost. My people flee as you accost. And we know the end is near. Of this you'll see, my dear, my dear. A crushing finality as the crescendo faded, silencing the room. Empty melancholy, a void in heart, and a collective sigh as Madgerie ended. Yolanik would have loved it. He'd sung with the best of them, but his tellings of Three Neck and Esdelda was scarce a story in comparison. How was Yolanik and my clan? I hadn't thought of them for many a fortnight, out of sight and mind. But now I did, a stabbing pain. J. Alex and Olaric's brutal murders. My failure to avenge them, or even grant a proper earthing, to save their souls' eternal wistless wandering, to grant them their slumber. And then there was my creator, Volgaric, even Tarasic. They could be anywhere, anywhere. But what's done is done. Unless I could end that bastard Royce, he'd received his just due. The next days flew by, except five days' notorious service. We must go, William said, as we entered the two-story earthen ode to all things. Have to win the trust of some ignorant ninny. Sat through the whole two-quarter-hour oddity, even butchered a cat. But outside of a few strange errands, we spent every waking hour preparing for Adawa, running about to fill the sea wolf's deep hold. Space is beadage, as William was prone to say. Tuesday morn and early up at first light, enterprising boat hands gathered along the blustery dock, all waiting Boren, who'd land at midday. A group of ruffians William had hired looked on from a distance, made eye contact with William and patrolled the side streets as well. William didn't leave anything to chance. Yet for all his smarts, William made mistakes. Returning from the wheelwright, he turned left instead of right, lost for half-quarter hour before finding our way. And two nights prior, folks tailed us to the inn. He never even noticed. Guess I haven't a head for faces, was all he said, as O'Danick and I pulled him into an alley and lost the thugs. On the wharf, 
waiting as hundreds of clacking slaves rattled towards the auction house. It was hard to focus on the seas with such a sight. Thank my dice every day it wasn't me. Such empty, hopeless eyes. O'Danick jumped up and broke my cart of thought. I see it. Blinked back gleaming sunlight, stared into the distance. A mast had broken the horizon. William squinted harder and reached for his looking glass. Are you sure? What color are the sails? White. Odanik and I replied. A red insignia on the top. That'll be her, the sea wolf. His face lit up. Your eyes must be sharper than mine. The beautiful galley grew larger and larger, stretching four or five houses long, mahogany built. Craftsmen etched swirls and leaves gave the hurried craft a wild touch, and tall sails billowed as the blood-red wolf howled and danced in the breeze. Tanned sailors threw thick lengths of rope and leapt ashore, tying the floating behemoth to iron-clad hooks before a fellow could whip out a whiz. Started carrying crates and barrels down the walkway and tossing them to the deck. We hopped on in search of Boren. Boren, you sod, William yelled as he crossed the polished deck. Where are you? A solid, sandy-haired man with blue eyes and a matching shirt appeared from below. He dropped the crate he'd been carrying with a slam and rushed over. I've missed you, brother. A bear hug among brethren. Yet for brothers, they couldn't appear more dissimilar, even though all saps looked alike. All is well, brother, Boren asked. What of Guardian? of Isaac. William recounted all, and Boren was good-hearted about it and ingesting spirits until it came to being followed. You're sure? he asked. I nodded. Two roughs, eyes up to no good. Could be Paul's people, or Suthic's, Boren mused, or simple muggers, I suppose. May need a strong arm or two. This was our dice call, and I dove for it, made my own fate. What about us? I gestured to Odanik and I. Yes, it's perfect, William said. I've seen these brutes brawl. Rogue guards and drunkards saved my life. After some discussion, it was agreed. I'd accompany Boren, while Odanik escorted William twinge of frustration. William had been growing on me, but still an eternity better than ship duty. Wouldn't push my dice too far. After we were roped into helping the other slaves and hands while Boren and William went aft for a private chat, soon we'd finished and the ship was set. We all left, but a few stayed to guard the goods. The rest carted everything to the storehouse, but we didn't. We separated at Main Street. Boren needed to make a deposit. It went smooth until we were leaving when a feeble, tall woman with a fisherman's cart caught my eye. She froze, recognition flashing her ancient face before she looked away, but couldn't place her. Odd, I never forgot a face. Took a step toward her 
as chicken skin flushed my arms, stomach knotting. Do I know you? I yelled, but she ditched the cart, bolted down a side alley, and was gone before I could cross the street. Did you know that urchin? Boren asked. I shook my head. Come on, we have an all day. A trip to the tailor for Boren's new tunic, and the Smith's Guild to set African iron terms. Boren's wary eyes raked me several times, and when he thought I wasn't looking, a peculiar suspicion, he'd warm up eventually. He was William's brother, after all. Boren got lost twice in a maze of side streets before a towering stone building appeared with a wrought iron sign. Across hammer and tongs. It was one of the largest in boot, a three-story masterpiece of masonry and might. Let me do the talking, Boren said to me as we strode to tall double doors. Ruthless, the lot of them. He grasped the hammer handle and opened it. Two-story lofted ceilings, empty save benches and tables littering the open downstairs, where twenty-some men jested and jeered. A wooden podium dominated the far wall, seating upstairs. Endless God-strewn windows streaked light and coloured the day. As we entered, conversation croaked its last. A tall, bald, dark skin stepped forward. Ah, Borian. And so we deal. So we deal. Boren walked to the well-dressed African man with coffin eyes and a confident smile and stuck out an embellished hand. It's been too long, Cave. Cave's jangles rattled as they shook. A forced smile. I trust your trip was a success. Boren nodded. The room was silent as Smith's watched intently. One hundred guardian pounds of raw iron. That was what we agreed. Half a beat a pound. Cave nodded without protest or renegotiation. It is. They shook again, and Boren handed him a weathered scroll to pick up the iron at the warehouse. Cave weighed toward the back. Tom, bring the man his beads. A small fellow with a tiny head and bushel black hair to hide it appeared with a leather pouch, which he handed to Boren. Was that it? That wasn't so bad. But instead of heading for the door... Boren walked to a secluded table and sat, began to count the heaping pile. Check these. Make sure I don't miss any. Half, quarter hour, and three counts later, it was clear. They'd short-beaded us. Cave, Boren snapped. You swining heathen. The African smiled a shrug. Had to try. Just business, my friend, he signaled Tom, and a second pouch materialized. Boren counted these as well, five times. They were all there. Trust but verify, he said, as we left the shadowed guild. Trust but verify. And if they hadn't paid up? He laughed. We've got lads for that. Would have given them the clubbing runaround. 
We don't hire ex-mercs for no reason. Always have a backup plan. We hustled to the bank to make a deposit. Boren checked his shoulder five times. Never carry a bid longer than you need, he added once the teller disappeared. Pa taught me that the hard way. His final act. Damned fool. He shook his head as his face narrowed. But I said nothing. Didn't know what to say. Once business was concluded, we exited the bank to beaming sunlight. Byron plopped into a pile of dog shite and kept talking, oblivious. Was his funny nose that bad? Squelched along until the right shop. Apparently it was. A thudding clatter of thunder. I looked up and yanked Boren back as a knight roared past. Boren jumped and did a double take, breathing hard, pale, holding his chest. I, I must have... Flashing him a reassuring smile. That's what I'm here for. God's damned glad right about now. And forgot to ask earlier. You count? I thought your kind... I fought off the prideful grin, fought to remain level and honourable. Volgaric taught me, my creator. Needed to keep track of beads Olaric spent on ale. Bit of a slosher. Silence the rest of the way to the inn. Fine by me. There were so many new sights and smells. Accents, too. Boot was a week old pottage medley, every day in a new ingredient stirred and simmered into something all its own. A world of opportunity and chaos and unexpected encounters. An interesting place. It was too bad we had to head to Adawa in the morn. William and O'Danick weren't back when we arrived, but there was plenty of raucous laughter and music. Nothing like the minstrel of yesternight, though. The fateful song still haunted me, invaded my dreams and inner moments an age before, of equals and of love, war, power, the age of gods. Grabbed seats on the crowded bench and Boren surprised me with a heaping mug of tall beer. You earned it. Reached for my glass. It had been ages since my last good ale. Boren raised a matching cup to his lips. To health, happiness and profit, Someone screamed outside. A smashing thud as O'Danick burst in. We locked eyes. White-hot fury and concern. Horror and death. William's been attacked. Today's episode is brought to you by WellAware. Master the nine cybersecurity habits to protect your future. Right now, that's a huge deal. I literally just had my website hacked. And while American unemployment is unprecedented... There's a huge job shortage, 3.5 million cybersecurity rules needed by 2021. There's so many people outside of the skills gap, and we need to supplement this. Critical, critical support, because cybersecurity is the battleground of the future. And it's a huge opportunity for individuals, employees, technology companies, human resource listeners, because everyone needs to take this seriously, especially as the fines start to build up and we really start to take the backbone of our infrastructure more seriously. Anyone looking to make a career shift or enhance their resume can start now with some non-technical cybersecurity habits to create a competitive edge. 
a new tool by George Finney, the Chief Information Security Officer at the Southern Methodist University. He's a notable expert on cybersecurity, helping individuals and businesses navigate various technologies in this ever-changing world. If you're interested in upping your cybersecurity skills and learning maybe a thing or two you can use on the job, possibly change your career in the process, order your copy of Well Aware, Master the Nine Cybersecurity Habits to Protect Your Future at all major retailers like Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Or you can visit wellawaresecurity.com to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you guys by BitIRA. Do you want to add Bitcoin to your retirement account? Do you think cryptocurrencies are going, going, going somewhere special? If you think that Bitcoin really has the potential and you want to get involved in the space, the world of cryptocurrency can be confusing. How do you get involved? That's the question so many people have. Well, you can diversify your portfolio, get into crypto investments, and more by checking out bittrustira.com disruptors. They can help you seamlessly add cryptocurrency, store the private keys in nuclear bunkers with military-grade protection, and they've got the lowest trading fees in the industry. Make sure you guys check them out. bittrustira.com disruptors. That's D-I-S-R-U-P-T-O-R-S. And for a limited time, they're waiving the sign-up fee, a $50 value. Just for signing up, checking them out, and putting Bitcoin and other awesome cryptocurrencies into your retirement account. Want to diversify a little bit with some digital gold? BitTrustIRA.com disruptors for more details. And now let's get back to the episode. Chapter 6. The History of the World We sprang to our feet as the room fell silent. What? Where? Boren rushed to the door, and we hurried after Odanik. We didn't have to go far. At the edge of a dark side alley, not thirty paces from the inn's hazy entrance, lay William. A crowd had gathered, a choking wheeze from the centre. "'William!' Boren bullied through and bent over his brother. "'Took you long enough!' <coughs> William coughed. With a grimacing smile, his chest was soaked in crimson, face bruised. What happened, I asked. A thief tried for my purse, stabbed me before Odanik could stop him. Boren's eyes thrashed her, but William cut him off. He came from behind, brother. She couldn't have known. He's over there, Odanik pointed to a motionless man further down the winding alley. Tried to run, not fast enough. Not a spot of blood on the lad must have bludgeoned him to death with her bare hands. Impressive. A swelling pride within my chest, even as Boren touched William's. Are you okay? Stretch is all. He waved a lazy hand. Broggard stabbed me twice. Ought to see a doctor. Send someone to fetch one. Boren snapped off directions, and Odanik disappeared into the pitch night as we applied pressure to the wounds. Footsteps. Odanic, a greying sap with beady eyes in tow. The little man bent, exhausted, pale mouth agape. Well, what happened? Mangled fingers went to work as we told him. He severed William's ruined tunic and set it aside, grabbed a stoppered yellow vial from his sack and removed the cork. The horrific whiff of heat-aged urine. Even William winced. Can't be helped, son. The doctor motioned to Odanik. Hurry, the smithy. We need a cauterizing burn. 
Soaking the tunic in piss, he dabbed the slitted craters in William's flaccid chest and abdomen. Ah, oh, William panted, body shaking. Guess I ought to be glad you're not wearing your pox mask, he hissed through gritted teeth. The physician's eyes darkened. Let's not tempt the gods for all our sakes. Two more soaks and O'Danick was back with Doric, a seething rod in his gloved hand and a smile on his bearish face. I might actually enjoy this. He pressed the white-hot bar to William's chest. A surging roar, writhing spasms as his body convulsed. Two screams later, the wounds were sealed, William jittering and covered in sweat. The doctor, Walter was his name, applied a hefty layer of fragrant ointments and prodded the flesh. That ought to do it. But an easy few days rest, I ought to think. He helped William to his shaky feet. Thank you, William winced in pain as he reached into his pocket. But Walter protested. After all you did for my brother, helping him stow away, consider us even. William's eyes narrowed and he pursed his lips as the dock vanished into the shadowy night, put his arm over Boren for support. So who's hungry? The next day was a busy affair, loading timber destined for Adawa and last-minute terms with Doric. His contract had to be extended. In the end, he agreed to come to Adawa, and by midday, we were set to sail. Boren leapt from the sturdy dock to the swaying ship, helped William across, and gestured for Odanek and I to follow. She did, but my feet froze, sunken in time as I gripped the handrail. My stomach swirled as the enormity of the sea caught my eye, taunted my weakness, twisted my gut. So, this is what Tajek had meant. At last a bell tolled and the ship began to sail. I sprang aboard, steadied myself, and shuffled to what I'd later learn was the starboard side. Peering over to the glistening blues and greens forever below us, an explosion of colour and possible demise. Odanik was pale and green. Not quarter hour later, she sprinted to the side, slumped to trembling knees, and hurled chunks to the splashing evil below as dozens looked on. Poor thing. I promised myself not to come to that. Stumbling towards her, I helped her to her feet. You okay? A shutter-mouth nod, cheeks flushed green. She smelled vile, but I held my tongue. She'd been dishonoured enough, and we still had over a fortnight. The first night aboard the Sea Wolf was spectacular, but by the fifth, fiery sunsets and lapping waves no longer thrilled me. Neither did the rancid fish, and that filled our empty days, by the bucket and barrel. Borin tried to teach me checkers and nine men's morris, twenty-five miserable games without coming close. I both loathed and loved the calculating game. This was the twenty-sixth, and it was my move. Moved my Dorori two paces to the right to take his red rack and lay my trap. His knight swept in and I had him, peasant forward for the kill. He smiled as his priest cut down my Dorori and checkmated my Doror. Ruined everything, 
crushed my plan. Crafty, he said, as I smacked the board and sent the piece of scattering. Setting the net with your rider. He shook his head. Always have a backup plan. You need to see the move within the move. The deeper game. I stood and shoved my chair away, scowled and headed for the door. Anywhere but here. Twenty-six damned times I'd had him. Damn it. Slammed the hatch as Boren chuckled to himself. Went in search of Doric. Least, with Doric, I could keep up. An interesting, good lad. Not like these guily saps. Born to a paddy farm, east of where I'd grown up. He'd apprenticed early to a local smith. Real artiste with a hammer. Together they'd travelled from Givrage to Akage in search of work. Hired to outfit the Rortic Imperial Army, he said, as we strode along the quiet bow. Was there when Isaac stormed the Redrack? That was all, not another word. Terrible storyteller. Nothing of the king's butchery, of torching the place, the mass murders. To Doric, it was as if the battle that defined our people meant nothing like he was a sap at heart. But still, I liked Doric. He was a character and made the voyage bearable. Land came into sight on the 15th day. By the 16th, we'd arrived. If I never set foot on another boat, I'd be happy. The bustling harbour was overcrowded with two other ships. We couldn't dock fast enough as brown and tan saps jumped ashore, tying us up. Two hours later, everything was unloaded on the endless dock. Further down, an African crew lugged huge barrels and casks aboard the spotted lion. William hailed their dark captain while Boren dealt with the grey harbour master and his little red book. The damn king would have his due. Beads changed hands as waiting carters loaded mountains of scrawled crates onto waiting trolleys. Quarter hour and a meandering path later, Boren's favourite pub, the lovable liqueur, at last, bloody starving. We'd skipped breakfast. The building was odd, proportioned all wrong. The door was tiny, the windows low. Literal flowers blanketed the second-floor patio, totally overdone. But William's and Boren's eyes lingered. Saps and their weakness for beauty and art. Inside was better, less flowery. Clan crests above a glass-filled bar. Half-nude women pouring ale, all saps. No respectable toll would flaunt her neck as such. It was obscene, but for some reason I couldn't look away, inviting cleft into a forbidden bosom. Boren ordered meat pies to celebrate and got down to business. Rumour is, the thug that jumped William is part of a band here. Odanic, Merilek, keep your watch sharp. He had a knife, I blurted out. We're naked without weapons. William looked at his brother, nodded and cleared his throat. Planned blades for both of you while you're here. Haven't much choice given what's happened. First we'll talk to the sheriff. He'll brand the both of you in the records. Then if anything happens, Sheriff will know what happened and deliver justice. No slaves ever escaped their brand. 
I clenched my fists under the table but said nothing. Least a sword made it worth it. Maybe. They had bought us fair and square, after all. After Nag, the sheriffs, a swerving road of stunning views overlooking the coast, even O'Danick stopped to stare. At the bottom of the hill, we dead-ended with an all-God's chapel and had to backtrack again. Hard to say which brother was worse with his ways. At last, we found our way to a busy square where sap lads kicked a pair of balls while a handful of girls played with their hair to the side. Their eyes longed to join in, kept looking up. I'd never seen the game before, but felt for them. Looked fun. At the far corner of the square between the painter and the potter was the sheriff, complete with full pillory out front. Two men and a tall woman were bent and silent, arms and necks locked in mocking unpleasantness. The gaunt tall reeked of gin and more as we passed. Inside the jail was empty, two cells with naught but hanging chains. A frizzy-haired dark skin, I mean African. Boren said they ought to be called Africans, not dark skins, even though they were dark as night, with iron eyes. A brown robe and a sheathed blade at his side sat at an oaken table. He looked up from his priceless book. Nothing better to do. Made sense to learn to read, I guess. Well, he asked with his finger halfway down the page. We're here to register slave contracts, William said. The sheriff huffed a sigh. One second. He folded the corner of his book before standing. Let's see. Under the messy desk, he jostled logbooks before grabbing the right one. Ah, here. It was huge, big enough to hold the history of the world a hundred times over. Two hundred, perhaps. Least half hand's width. He opened it and handed it to us. Sign here, best you can, and write a description of your property. You write? You have a brand registered? We do. You'll find it under Boren Wolf. Boren's eyes scoured the scrawling contract before signing it. William scrolled his approval with scarce a glance, while the sheriff found another fancy ledger thumbed through a half-hundred scribbled pages. Ah, yes, the little man said. Follow me. My skin tingled as we stood, heart pounding. I'd sealed wounds before, when Barrack stabbed me for the last drumstick, and that time with Jaelic at the Badger. But something like fear clawed at my chest, ate away at my gut, braced myself. Ought have smacked my face. What bloody tall couldn't handle a little burn? Jaw clenched as we marched to the ominous smithy. In the end, it wasn't bad, and two quarter hours later, a howling wolf reared up at me from my stinging hand, scrutinised the powerful beast, least it was a mighty symbol, filled with rage and dominance, like me. Now, let's see about weapons, William remarked. Several more side streets to the brick building covered in iron bars. The windows. The door. A massive lock, too. Made sense. A knock, and we were admitted. Swords, shields, and pikes dominated the table and wall, far side littered with shields. My fingers trembled, 
heart shuddered, pure longing, to touch the blades, be whole once again. O'Danick and I rushed forward. A mid-sized butte caught my eye. Forged hilt, and guard witching my hand towards it as my fingers caressed the double-edged blade. It was perfect. The right size. Easy to draw. Ideal for crowded streets. More than capable of a good kill. Enough to hold off any sap bastard. William put a hand on my shoulder. Daggers'll do for now. What? He couldn't be serious. My shoulders slumped as reality struck. Daggers? Besides, William added, with half-assed optimism, they're easier to conceal. And a boar. But he had a point. And anything was better than our naked defenselessness. Heavy disappointment as I put the divine sword back into the slot, struggling to rip my lingering fingers from the ornate mastery. Oh well. It didn't take long after that. Daggers were easy. Daggers were dull. We each selected the biggest blades and handed them to Boren. A short internal debate and I added, You two need weapons as well. You never know. Boren smiled and elbowed William. What I tell you? William grimaced. It took some convincing, but in the end we walked away with four daggers. I couldn't stop massaging the hilt of my blade as we waded through the city. Earned a few uncomfortable looks, but it didn't matter. After a short stroll, we stopped at a two-story circular house adorned with a howling red wolf. This is where it all happens, William gestured as I gawked the princely white facade. Dark tiles, gleaming windows, and tall built red chimney. Even Doric whistled. Business must be swell. Boren nodded and unlocked three locks. The brothers got to work at once, while Odanik and I busied ourselves learning the space. No small task. Something about the rounded walls rubbed me wrong, but the African ivory jar above an inlaid fireplace. Piles of paintings in the far corner, and a stack of books made up for it. Even what looked like a world map on the wall, with most ports and cities labelled and colour-coded. Least, I assumed it was the world. I continued into the stocked kitchen of spices and herbs. There was an echoed thud, and I lifted up the stitched rug. There was a trapdoor, probably a food cellar. I'd check later. At the opposite side was a set of wooden spiral stairs, hurried up them to a series of shuttered doors, opened each, actual beds, and topped with sewn linens, pillows soft as sleep, not a speck of hay, a big window too. I stepped towards it. There was a grey man across the dusty street watching our door. Looked surly. He noticed me and spun, but it was too late. I'd seen him. He darted away as if he could fool me but I wasn't birthed yesterday. I sprinted downstairs to tell the others. You have been listening to Neanderthal King by Matt Ward. For more information on purchasing the complete epic fantasy adventure or to download the entire audio masterpiece free with a free trial of Audible, visit 
neanderthalking.com. Be the change you want to see in the world. That's something I strive towards and fail towards every single day. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you think the world could benefit from conversations like this, the greatest compliment you can give us is referring to the disruptors to a friend or talking about us on social media. Please take 30 seconds to do so. It would mean the world to us. And if we're lucky, help us build towards a better world. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for helping us spread the message and have a great day. If you want more of The Disruptors, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or go to disruptors.fm, where you'll find tons of audio and video interview stories with leaders in the fields of genetics, cryptocurrency, longevity, AI, space, VR, and much, much more. You can also follow me on Twitter at MattWardIO. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a quick review on iTunes at disruptors.fm iTunes to help more people discover the podcast and help us make a bigger impact.